Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneur Center in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. I'm Karen Nowicki, and I am very happy to introduce you to Dr. Haggard, Compounding Doctor with Compounding Doctors Pharmacy, and Fred Ozen with Vitality Slim Clinic. I am excited about our conversation today and very pleased to have both of you. I would love for each of you to introduce yourselves and just uh, help us get acquainted with who you are professionally, a little bit about your background, and let's really talk about the clinic and what some of the great things that you're doing and have Dr. Haggard's help identifying some of the words that maybe I don't understand. Our listeners might be confused by as well. Go ahead. Sure. My name is Fred Ozan. I own uh, Vitality Slim Clinic. A little bit about my background. I got my uh, start in the United States Army. Spent uh, about 10 years as a counterintelligence agent. Uh, when I got out, I got my master's degree, and uh, Merck was hiring uh, former military people. They were on a, you know, kind of a quest to do that. So I got my, my start with Fortune 500 sales with Merck Pharmaceuticals, and then I went to a company called Millennium Biotech, and I ended up with, a, with Medtronic doing pacemakers and cardiac defibrillators, implantable cardiac defibrillators. When I became an entrepreneur... I realized I was making a lot of money for a lot of other people, so I became an entrepreneur. And uh, I bought a company up in uh, Cottonwood called NutriHealth, and we sold probiotics. And at that time, nobody really knew what a probiotic was, so a lot of our marketing was around educational benefits of probiotics. So I've had a number of different businesses over the years, and when semaglutide and trisipatide came on the market uh, about uh, back in 2020, 22, I guess, as a over the, you know, I don't want to say over the counter, but available as a weight loss product. I really got interested in the segment because right now, if you look at the United States population, 70% of Americans are overweight, 43% of them are obese. So we have this huge problem in the United States. And this is the first product that a medication that's come on the market that's been able to demonstrate widespread success. And you can tell by all the movie stars and Oprah and yeah. Kelly Clarkson, all these people that are on the product, right? So it's become <laughs> really prevalent in the public eye. But also what becomes prevalent in the public eye is all the kind of misinformation that happens. Partnering with Dr. Haggard has been really helpful in looking at the research, you know, digging into the research. Because, you know, coming from the pharmaceutical background, I like reading the clinical trials. I like reading, you know, how the products actually work uh, and educating people. And, I, and so I think there's a lot of misinformation out in the marketplace. And so really, thanks for having us on. So hopefully that we can, uh, we can talk about some of those issues. and Clear people some have of a, that up. Yeah, yeah, have some people have be more excited about the product and less wary. Awesome. Thank you, Fred. Dr. Haggard, introduce yourself and then let's, let's, let's jump into that conversation. Yeah. So I was conventionally trained as a naturopathic medical doctor when I got about two years into school. They said, oh, you know everything you need to prescribe medications. And I raised my hand and said, we don't even know how these things work. And they said, well, that's what pharmacists do. You don't need to know that as a doctor. And so I wasn't real happy with that answer. So I marched over to the registrar's office and I said, I think I need to go to pharmacy school. And they said, you can't stop medical school halfway through unless you're pregnant, sick, or you join the military. So I joined the military, went to the pharmacy program, came back and finished school. So I have a pretty good understanding of pharmacology as a naturopath. Since then, 
I've been on a pretty good quest. I really was focused on diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and weight loss for the most of my clinical practice and got into endocrinology. And so I'm very familiar with how hormones affect the body. And this is what these products basically are, are hormonal products. So that's why they have such a big impact. And when you look at all the things that have been around for the last 20 years in weight loss, this is a new era. I mean, it's, there's just nothing like it in the past. And I mean, your real options for losing a significant amount of weight to actually change the course of your health, possibly premature death, and overall good years, quality of life, there just wasn't really big options. I mean, there's bariatric surgery, and there's, you know, a few different kinds of those, but that's where this whole thing has changed is you don't have that scary, oh, I want to lose weight and I really want to change my life. And, you know, if, if you're really overweight and you have those kind of issues and you have this huge upfront cost, you have all these complications. A lot of people that get bariatric surgery have to have more than one. A lot of them aren't real happy with the end result. Most of them will have a nutritional side effect develop just because they're not able to absorb their food properly. And that just isn't the case with these new injectable weight loss drugs. Well, I think the other thing is that a lot of the products that came out in the past were amphetamine-based, right? So you had the ephedra, you had fentramine. All of these are a synthetic product that are amphetamine-based. In other words, so they produce a physiologic response in your body, right? They speed up your heart rate, your breathing, all these things. And, of course, you can lose weight with them, right? So that's, it's you know, they do, it does work, but it's not a natural response. So with these peptides... It's already naturally occurring, so we call them an agonist, right? They're already helping what's in the body versus interfering with something that's going on in the body. Do you have some success stories or examples of people that you can share? Oh, sure. I, I got a, <laughs> a lot of we, we could do that <laughs> that's all day. Easy. All day. All day. <laughs> you just look on my website. We have pictures. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you the reason that I do it. So uh, I office with a friend of mine who's a CPA, and his brother is significantly overweight. And so in the first month of treatment, he's lost over 20 pounds. And so when I walked in the other day after the Christmas exodus, the CPA came over to me and goes, hey, listen, you, you, you should really do a video testimonial with my brother. Mm. Because during Christmas, because he's lost the 20 pounds and he's, you know, he's probably got another 40, 50 to go, but he was able to walk around and look at the Christmas lights. They walked about three miles. He said he hasn't done that in years. He's going to be able to now purchase an airline ticket to be able to fly to Florida to visit his his grandparents who are aging and you know probably won't last long. So that's the benefit of why we do it, right? And so I can just go on and on and on about the you know the the woman that works for me. She's at 195. She hasn't seen 200 since high school, right? So you know these are great i mean all, you can go down the list of all the stories and it's the quality of life that's most important right great that you lost the weight but being able to go and do the things that you really want to do right and people don't get heavy overnight right it's a slow process right and so what happens along the way is they stop exercising they stop walking to the mailbox they stop doing general everyday life stuff then it compounds itself and then here you are 50, 60, 100, 200 pounds overweight, wondering what you're going to do. And you can't exercise because anytime you exercise, you're hurting your body because you're carrying around all this excess weight. 
So being able to see people regain their life is, mm -hmm. you know, it's tremendous. What are some of the misconceptions then around this type of weight loss? Is it that it's it's not for everybody or it is for everybody? Speak a little bit more about what some of the I'll let Dr. Haggard Yeah, what some of the confusion yeah. is. The reason I got into these weight loss injections was for cancer because I have a business partner that runs an anti-cancer clinic. I was showing him these results when they first were published on these type 2 diabetics, and they averaged 52 pounds of weight loss in about a year with no dietary change and exercise intervention that was that was significant. And I say that because like the placebo group lost five pounds over a year and they had the same dietary and advice and exercise intervention. So it was like five versus 52. I mean, huge differences. And I was looking at the dietary advice they gave them and it was terrible. And I thought 52, I mean, it sounds unreasonable. I, I don't even know if I believe this. So we decided to get some and we both tried it. <laughs> And after like 48 hours, I, you know, I remember calling him and saying, okay, this is real. Like, this is amazing that stuff. Quick, that quickly. Within 48 hours, most people notice a significant change in how they feel. Meaning that they're not hungry. Yeah. They're not hungry and typically very energetic. And, so, and once we have that happen, then it's easier for us to stay committed and to get back to walking and doing those well, things. Well, you, you see results the first week. So quickly. I mean, I, I was, I hurt my knee about two years before I started taking these medications. And I, I took this a year, almost two years ago. I mean, I got in early on this, but I got it in total disbelief. I was trying to prove it wrong. And so then when I took it, I lost 10 pounds the first week. And I didn't feel like I was that overweight, but I had over the last two years, because I hurt my knee and I used to run like 15, 20 miles a week. And then I just quit running. And after two years, I put on 30 pounds. And so I lost 30 pounds in six weeks and it was effortless. And my knee felt way better when I was done. And that's almost two years ago. I'm one of the rare exceptions to the people that I've worked with on this. And I haven't taken it since. And I haven't put the weight back on. Is it something that, depending on who the individual is, something that they'd have to be on for a long period of time or perhaps even a lifetime? Well, that's what most of the research suggests, but I have lots of real life examples that that's not the case. And for me, for example, most of my adult life, I've been this weight, about 145 to 150 pounds. And after I lost the weight and it happened fast, I, I kind of, it kind of got into this routine. I didn't realize that after dinner, I'd be looking around the house for something to munch on, like chips, popcorn, stuff like that. And after the first few days, I thought, how did I get into that habit? And I just quit doing it. And it's, again, it's been like two years and I just, these medications allow you to separate emotion from eating like nothing I've ever seen before. What, what I find interesting, so I took, I lost the same thing about, uh, not quite, about 28 pounds in six weeks. What I noticed is that I would open up the pantry, Right, same thing, be watching some Netflix or working, and I'd be like, what's the snack on? And now I open up the pantry and nothing looks good. Mm -hmm. There's no compulsion. There's no, like, I want to, and if I eat some chips or eat a cookie, I'm like, the other day I grabbed a couple of cookies out of the little bag, and I, and I ate one, and I was like, I don't even want to eat the other one. 
like there's you know there, it doesn't set up the compulsion there's probably a you know scientific reason for that but you know there's just no compulsion for me to eat so i'm like that's great and a lot of times i'll start getting a headache uh toward the end of the day and i'm like oh i realize i haven't eaten anything right and so what i work on with the patients is look you know try and follow kind of a keto diet you know stay on high protein high fat diet because it tastes good so you're not you're not suffering through you know some cardboard diet and but stay away from the carbs and what and what people find is that when they do that right they don't have the compulsion to eat sweets mm -hmm. and so it, it's been really remarkable i had a friend of mine <laughs> it's so funny he, he was all pissed he texted me when is this gonna work blah 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 right two days later he goes uh i owe you an apology <laughs> i'm down two and a half pounds well two and a half pounds a week is 10 pounds a month which is a really good trend for weight loss, right? You don't need to lose, you know, 30 pounds in a month. You know, lose 10 or 12 pounds a month is a good trend. So then, so now he's down, you know, he's he's hiking again. He's doing his half marathons, whatever he does. He does that crazy running stuff that I'm not into, but he likes it. And he goes, it's a lot easier. He goes, I just did a half marathon. He goes, it was a lot easier being 25 pounds less weight. Yeah, of course it is. I love that the stories and the examples that you're sharing are so varied from the very heavy overweight examples to being fit and already active and the impact, the positive impact that it has. Are there any side effects? So both the products have side effects. And I'll let you kind of go into it and he can tell you the what the clinical trials are showing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the side effects are real when it comes to gastrointestinal side effects like nausea. That's the most common one it tends to be appetite dependent. So if you are a little more aware when you're taking these in the beginning, that most likely if you eat your normal amount, you're going to feel nauseous. Mm. And so if you just try to be a little bit more sensible, kind of appreciate that this is most likely going to happen, you can mostly avoid the side effects. The other side effects are uh, some people actually do get nauseous enough to even vomit. But again, usually that's related to how much they're eating and what they're eating. Mm -hmm. And I do really want to touch back on the type of diet you follow with this. So in the research trials, they always recommend the same diet. And it's 50% carbohydrate, 30% fat, and 20% protein, which is a terrible weight loss diet. <laughs> right. It's terrible. And they're still getting results like 50 pounds. Right. I mean, so in the real world, we see way better results in these clinical trials. Because like Fred does, I mean, I, and I think we independently figured that out, a ketogenic diet along with these medications is a powerful combination. See, I, I, what I find is, um, think about, so I spent a lot of time in human behavior as an intelligence agent, right? So looking at human behavior, it's difficult to change people's behavior. So especially around food, right? Because as Americans, we've become, you know, this uh, con consumption based society right so we got the chips and we got this and we got all these like you know fast snacks I and mean, everything is taste dependent right and so then being able to tell someone look i understand you want something that's going to taste good so why don't you follow this diet because it'll still taste good you won't be suffering and it's going to help the results of your weight loss and so a lot of because and you want more protein because you want to retain your muscle mass so you know, that's the advice I give. And we have a little journal forum and all that, whether people follow it or not, they still get results not changing the diet. What I have found, which is really interesting, 
is I have uh, at least four or five patients that have come back and said, this has really curbed my alcohol consumption, meaning that they haven't wanted to drink alcohol. In fact, one of the ladies said, I am going to have to do something about my social life <laughs> because we do this <laughs> we do this mimosa brunch on Sunday. And I don't want the mimosas, you know? And so she's like, what am I going to, you know, she was kind of like, I don't know, like I don't have any, I don't want to drink anymore, which was really interesting. And I, they had an article that was published about it. I think you sent it to me about uh, how people are reducing the amount of alcohol they're consuming on these products. A nice added benefit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and to your point, our society, especially here in the States, is so tied around food, birthdays, anniversaries, any celebration, or even when we're you know feeling low, what are we reaching for? That tub of ice cream or that drink? So it's fascinating that this has the this provides us that opportunity to bypass, I think that's one of the words that you used in a sense, uh, that craving or that, that is it an emotional connection to the food? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think there's like when, you, when you're sitting there and maybe you don't have any activity in front of you or if you do, it's just a natural response Absolutely. to want to eat it. And if you don't think it's happening, Frito-Lay adjusted their number by 6%. Now, this is a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, based on how they're going to produce snacks, based on the type of snacks that people are going to want on this product. Walmart even said in their, in their quarterly report that their grocery sales were down and they were blaming semaglutide. So, right, these are, you know, these are actual responses. And if you read like Yahoo Finance or some of these others, they kind of highlight that uh, clothing retailers are now having to look at different sizes for people. So it's going to have a dramatic impact, and people that are in the know are looking at this going, okay, we're going to have to change the type of snacks that we offer. We're going to have to change the type of food that we offer in the grocery store. We're going to have to change the type of clothes because if, you know, right now, you know, triple I mean, I remember a day when, like, getting a double X was like getting an extra small, right? It was, it was not part of the equation when you were selling retail mm -hmm. clothing, right? That was the like a bell curve, right? You're on the two ends of the uh, tails. Well, now, extra large, double X, triple X are common. And I think we're going to see a switch going back. Look at a picture of somebody on a beach in the 60s and 70s versus people on the beach today, right? It's a dramatically different view. Yeah. Yeah, so going back to the adverse effects of yep. these medications, I think the biggest thing that we could tell people is most of the issues that you can have with these medications can be augment or can be avoided with a good diet. And a lot of the issues, are, I, the reason I brought up the whole carbohydrate thing is if you're not eating very much and most of your calories are coming from carbohydrates, you do tend to see things like you said, like sometimes blood sugar variations, headaches, different, you know, manifestations of varying blood sugar, low blood sugar, high blood sugar. But when you try to have a low carbohydrate diet, high fat protein that tends to offset most of those issues. Um, the other one that's common is people do have a reduction in bowel movements and constipation because you're just eating less, but that can also be fixed with diet by eating a little more vegetables, more roughage, things like that. Yeah. I always recommend. So I had constipation when I first started doing it. And so knowing about probiotics because that's mm -hmm. what I so I went back to taking daily probiotic and that resolved all the issues for me um, and I recommend that to people hey you should be taking a good probiotic anyway 
you know, to help with it. Because everything's in your gut, right? I mean, right. 80% of your immune system stems from your gut. All these things come from your gut, and we forget about it, right? Because we're working on other parts of our body. But that this is where this product works. So it's natural that there's going to be some side effects. And a lot of the side effects are dose-dependent. We talked about this. And this is one of the benefits of using a compounded product versus, you know, the traditional I mean, they're both prescribed, but if you're using Manjaro or ZepBound, which is their weight loss product, or Wagovi, they only have a certain number of doses that you can take. This is different. It's more customized. That's right. So where they might have three doses, I have 3,000 doses or, well, any compounder product. Yeah, just to give some background on that, the typical, there's a schedule for each of these type of weight loss medications. And it's like month one, you start at the lowest dose. And then month two, you take a step up. And then month three, and you go all the way to possibly month six, where you're escalating each month. When we got started with it, that actually didn't exist yet. And so we were just taking it as needed. And we saw people lose significant weight with ever, ever increasing the dose at all. And so... My mantra when I talk to other doctors about this is check in with the patient. And if the patient says that they're not really having any cravings, their appetite's under control, and they hit a plateau, that's not a dose problem. That's a dietary problem. And so take the time, talk with your patients. Instead of just giving them a higher dose, why? It's just more expensive and there's more adverse effects. As you increase the dose, nausea and other you know, gastrointestinal effects are very real and it, it happens more and more the higher you go. So it just makes sense to me to just have the lowest dose possible. Again, if, if you're getting the results, great. If you have a plateau, sometimes you need to increase the dose, but I would always highly encourage everybody who's taking it and has hit, maybe hit a plateau, check in with your appetite, check in with your cravings. And if those are under control, then you need to refine your diet in order to have that weight loss that you're looking to, you know, continue to have. I was, I love that you shared that because I was getting ready to ask Fred a similar question. Like when it comes to Vitality Slim, Slim Clinic, that's part of what you guys offer is this really guided approach to lifestyle changes. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. So what we do is when we come in, we give them a journal, they can track what they, I mean, we give them a lot of resources, whether they use it or not, it's another story, right? Most people come in because they've heard they can maintain their current lifestyle and lose weight, which is true. Well, what I find is when people have more energy and they start losing weight, their self-esteem starts to go up. As their self-esteem starts to go up, they want to do more things. Well, maybe I'll go back to the gym or maybe I'll start yoga or maybe, you know what I mean? Because now they can fit into different clothes and, you know, different things happen for them psychologically, you know, uh, emotionally that they start feeling better about themselves. And it, it's a natural progression. When you start feeling better about yourself, you want to do more things to feel better about yourself. When you start feeling worse about yourself, what do you do? Self-destruction, right? So it kind of works both ways. So by getting people going that path, they start wanting to feel better. It's just like the gentleman who went out and walked three miles to look at Christmas lights. He hadn't even walked in years, right? And, you know, he's having to change his, you know, he's got a, another waist size down, you know, that he had to buy jeans for and things like that. All good things. And I have other people, they've been thin before or been thinner, and 
I'm like, well, it looks like you're going to have to buy a new wardrobe. And they're like, no, no, I still have my old wardrobe. <laughs> right? They've maintained their, you know, my 32s. Now I'm a 38, but I can go back to my 32s. You know, so it's, 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 it's really gratifying to see people get excited about their health when they start losing weight. Mm -hmm. See, when they're maintaining a, a heavier lifestyle, they justify, rationalize why it's okay. When they start feeling better and they can walk around the block and they can go do things and get you know more physical, they start feeling better about themselves. And so it's kind of like that self-fulfilling prophecy. The more I do, the more I want it. Nobody likes running until you're running, right? Nobody likes the gym until you're working out. Right. You know, all of those things. And then when you want to do it, it makes it a lot easier. Does insurance cover the treatments? So if you're a type 2 diabetic, right, or you have an elevated hemoglobin A1C, and depending on your insurance coverage, um, you can get it covered. However, many of the people that I, that are in my clinic, their copay is more than what we charge. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these medications are very expensive, yeah. commercially available. Yeah. And can you get them orally, or is it just injection? Actually, they are available. There's an oral one, Ribelsis, and it is a capsule or a tablet. Typically, I think they're tablets, though. I've actually never seen it before, but I think they're tablets. And the issue is, is they actually compared these to the injections, and they were very similar. However, there's a lot more benefits than just weight loss now with these medications. So one of the big trials that just got published this year, they showed the heart benefits of people who had had a previous stroke or heart attack and then started taking these medications. And these people were already on other preventative measures to avoid another stroke or a heart attack. They were on statin drugs, they were taking aspirin, they had you know blood sugar controlling, medications. And on top of that, they showed that after three years of being on these medications, there was a 20% reduction in a second stroke or heart attack. So most likely these medications are going to be, I think, eventually covered by insurance. Mm. But if I thought I could avoid a stroke or heart attack, I wouldn't care to wait for the insurance to cover it i would just buy it <laughs> right i mean so i had a friend of mine which i don't understand sometimes people right so i i don't so said the guy who studies i know i just so i just <laughs> because here, i'll give you the example so he got a prescription for manjaro but walgreens didn't have any any and that's where his insurance was and when they finally got it his copay was a thousand dollars and i'm like why don't you just come to my clinic and pay half that amount and he's like, well, the money doesn't mean anything to me. And so that's what I mean when I don't understand people. I'm like, oh, well, then what means something to you? Yeah. You know, like I'm trying to figure that out. Like somehow this product is different from that product, which just isn't the case. But they yeah. have a perception, right, that because it comes from a compounding pharmacy versus a pharmaceutical company, that there's some significant difference. Yeah. That, and I'm like, well, anyway, that's what I mean. But, yeah. a th but he's willing to pay $1,000. And, you know, a lot of people, so I have a friend of mine, another friend of mine, he has elevated hemoglobin A1C. So he first got prescribed Manjaro, trisipatide, and his copay was 700 bucks. I'm like, why don't you just come see me? So then he goes back and he goes, I'll just take the Ozempic, which is the semaglutide. His copay is 500 bucks. I go, why don't you just come see me? 
right? He goes, well, I'm just going to see about the rebelsis. I'm like, what is your problem <laughs> with wanting it? It's like they, there's this, and it's set up so in America that insurance should yes. cover everything. We are we are uh, wired. We've been trained to think that way. Yeah, he's like, "Well, I pay so much for this insurance." I go, "Your insurance is really supposed to be for major events, not a a savings plan yeah, or, or a yeah." And I'm like, and, and so you know, then we wonder why in America we're paying such high insurance premiums. It's because everybody wants everything. You know, I got a I got a runny nose. It should be covered by my insurance yeah. plan. I have this. I'm like, if you could save your life for four or 500 bucks a month, wouldn't you do it? Period. Right. You know, not only that, but you'd save that in the amount of food that you consume. <laughs> yeah, the, if you just bring that up, that's actually a very valid point. I agree. Most people who I have personally know that have taken these, their lifestyle absolutely changes. Their food bill goes down. They're not going out to eat nearly as much. I mean, these are significant changes. Right, like I go, like I used to go, so I have a, a buddy of mine owns a Italian deli, and I'm, I'm Italian, so I like you know I could live on salami and cheese, right? So I I like these these uh, this capicola salami sandwich that he makes. Well, I used to be able to sit there and eat the whole thing. Now it's two meals, mm-hmm. right? Because I can only eat half. As it should be. Right, it should be right. No, as it should be right. I, I can only eat half of it, and I'm really full when I eat that half. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a I'm still a little hungry. I mean, I'm like, oh man, I ate too much, kind of full. Which happens a lot on this product because, you know, what I used to eat, what I think I can still eat, I start consuming. I'm like, man, I cannot eat. I cannot finish this. Mm-hmm. And so it ends up being a second meal. Not only that, but I can get I can get satiated at home eating a small meal. And then so, therefore, I'm not going out to eat. So, again, the food bill goes down. The number of times I go out to eat goes down. So I definitely save that money in food, no problem. So in medicine not one drug works 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, even antibiotics, they fail sometimes. This is one of the rare exceptions. I would say similar to like Botox. Botox works on most people as far as like wrinkle reduction, you know, not for headaches or other conditions, but just straight up having a reduced amount of wrinkles. Botox is pretty effective. I have yet to see somebody take semaglutide or trisepatide and not say, my appetite is sure reduced. Now they may or may not lose as much weight, as maybe the average person, but I feel like, again, that's more dietary intervention. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because we have a couple patients. So truthfully, of all the patients I have, I've had three that have quit because of side effects, only three. And then I've had a couple because of economics. And then I've had one who just didn't get the weight results that she wanted. So that's a small, small number. I love that. <laughs> I mean, that's a small number. Are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. It works on most people. It it's, works yeah. on most people. Amazing. Yeah. 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 I mean, Thank you for being really transparent. Amazing. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. A- age range. I, I, I guess what I'm thinking is, let me, let me uh, like open that question a little bit more. I'm thinking about our listeners and our viewers. I don't know why people would not do this. I mean, other than economically or whatever. If I'm listening, speak to me. It, this is for you. If <laughs> this is for you, when can we do that? And then build the age range in there as well. If there's if there's a range that's appropriate. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking to lose weight and you've struggled in the past and you haven't been able to do it with just lifestyle intervention, diet, exercise, this is definitely worth trying. And the beauty about these products is one of the easiest medications I've ever worked with to manage. You can miss a dose. You can be a few days late. You can. Miss it for a couple of weeks, get right back on. It's just really 
when you want to have less of an appetite. That's yeah. the management. It's it's just yeah. not that difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's indicated for twelve and over. So oh, wow, we, have ad- we have a we have a adolescent. So listen, we have adolescent. I mean, look it's if you epidemic. read the stuff from the NIH, National Institute of Health, and talk about the increase in type two diabetics, which never used to happen mm-hmm. in adolescents. This was an age related disease. Now the the incidence of type two diabetes in adolescents because they're overweight has significantly increased. And just to be clear, the semiglutide is FDA approved for twelve. Yeah, semiglutide to six eighteen. Yeah. The terzepatite is not approved yet for that, but they've already done the trials and they haven't published all the data yet. But so far, it looks like very similar to semiglutide. It's very safe, very effective. And so most likely, I I imagine this year, terzepatite will be FDA approved for 12 and up as well. Mm. Yeah. So most people struggle with the yo-yo diets, right? They'll have success on something, but remember it's restrictive. Right. So even keto or, you know, the zone diet, whatever diet you're on, it becomes restrictive. And at some point in time, a lot of people, I'm going to say a lot, I would, my own surmise would be the majority of people end up going off that diet and getting some of that weight back. Where with these products, right, even if you go off, let's say you're practicing a ketogenic diet and you go off of it, you still are on this product. You're not going to go you know, 90 degrees right angle and go crazy with stuff, right? You might go and have, hey, it's the holidays, so I had some some cake and some cookies or whatever. Well, the next, and the truth is, I don't feel very good if I eat too much sugar on this. So I've been really cautious about it. I mean, I still like the taste of certain sweets, but I definitely don't have the sugar tooth that or the sweet tooth I used to have. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, that's the good news is that even if you do it, uh, you go off the ketogenic diet or whatever you happen to do. Next week, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You, you you can be. I mean, I think that's a real win for a lot of people. Yeah, so to answer your question on who is this for, I think anybody who's struggled to lose weight, give it a try. I mean, give it a couple weeks, give it a month. I mean, most people see significant changes more than they ever have with weight loss with just one injection a week. It's really simple stuff. Mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people are adverse to injections. It's an insulin syringe. So the needle is about that big. It's really tiny. Most people don't even feel the needle going. Mm-hmm. They'll feel more the pressure of the fluid going in. Otherwise, I mean, unless you have a crazy needle phobia. Yeah, we have about six or seven that walk in and have us do the injection. But 99% of the <laughs> people, yeah, they'll do it at home. Yeah, once they, do, once they have the first one, they're like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Like, give, me the, give me the syringes. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. That. Right, because, I mean, it's a drive, right? I mean, like, right. you, you know, just, just come into the clinic once a month to pick up your medication versus, you know, coming in once a week. Because, you know, it becomes now it's a thing I have to do. Right versus being able to do it at home whenever you want. You've made it super easy with the clinic. Talk a little bit more about Vitality Slim Clinic. How long again has it been open? Been about a year. And this is just my mind, right? I'm not trying to put anybody down or make accusations, but you get what you pay for, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a lot of ads. Well, I can buy it online for this price, and I can buy it online for that price, and I can, and I go, well, then go ahead. But I have at least five patients that went down that path. And then when they started having side effects and when their prescription ran out and when starting, certain things started to happen, they couldn't get a hold of anybody. Yeah, there's no support. There's no support. Plus, there's no community. They're like, you know, you could call me. You could call uh, our MA. You can send us a text. You can come into the cl- Right? You know what I mean? Like, there's, 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 
there's more to it than just buying it online. And most of the time, your your online price is maybe forty or fifty dollars less. And you know, I don't know if you're really talking to a doctor when you're answering those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, you might be, <laughs> you might be. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying, do you know? Do you know? Now we do telemedicine. It's a Zoom call. We have a licensed physician that writes the prescription, all that stuff. So we've had people that have had side effects or had problems. So, oh, let's set up a call with the doctor. So like we can get you in front of the doctor or healthcare professional quickly, right, to resolve your problem if you have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely other interventions that you can do when you, if you do incur some adverse effects. So there's like adjusting the dose, adding other nutrients, vitamins. These all play a role in mitigating adverse effects with these. Well, yeah, so like if you're online, how do you get that? You don't. Well, it's just like we call, we all can exercise and we can all eat right or, you know, correctly for our bodies. But to have a trainer or to have a clinic or to have somebody in our corner who helps us manage that and, and, and a community is what you've described to make sure that we have the support makes it so much easier and so much more consistent. Yep. Because we get text messages all the time. Hey, this happened, that happened. I broke a syringe, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? So well, come on in. We'll take care of you. Yeah. Where do you see this, this medication, these medications in the next five years? Like what you already described a little bit of what's happening for us, um, retail wise and, and how some of our industries are paying attention to this. Those that are selling direct to consumers as far as clothing and food and that sort of thing. What, what's ahead? What do you guys think? Well, and you can speak more to this, but, uh, semaglutide or, uh, Ozempic, because of the study that they produce showing that reduction in cardiovascular events has applied to the FDA for an expedited cardiovascular indication for their drug. Mm -hmm. And they'll probably get it. Yeah. And most clinicians have already brought up in the media, well, if this can prevent a second heart attack or stroke, why not give it to people at risk for the first heart attack or stroke, which that's just one indication. These medications have already been given out for terzepatite specifically. They've already done over 33,000 people in clinical trials. And then they went back and they did a subgroup analysis to see what other conditions may have been helped with giving these people this medication that helped them lose a significant amount of weight. And there were some surprising ones, Parkinson's, dementia. And when you look at type 2 diabetes, we see those conditions all go up in that population. And if this is helping people have better blood sugar, less weight, less insulin resistance. It's actually not that surprising in hindsight. And then the other thing too is we see type 2 diabetics also have an increased risk of pretty much every known cancer. And so there was also a study that came out last year looking at the long-term effects of bariatric surgery. So when people have significant reduction in body weight, at least 20% with bariatric surgery, their incidence of Obesity-related cancers, there's seven of them, in addition to overall cancer, significantly went down. So bariatric surgery has been shown to prevent overall cancer and the specific seven obesity-related cancers. These are like breast cancer, colon cancer, liver cancer, things like that. Mm -hmm. But with that reduction, it's hard to say where this isn't going to go. I mean, it has such an impact on our lives when you have a person that has extra weight and they're walking around with it and how that impacts their health. And so this has already also been studied very significantly for PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Again, that's also 
a very known, you know, pre-diabetic condition. We've seen that reduce. Again, we also see inflammatory conditions, especially joint problems. Again, just weight-related. Then we get to the whole conversation around autoimmune issues, right? Well, then, besides the cancer part, and I, I think, I mean, the, the whole thing started, again, I told you I got into this because of the cancer aspect. You know, I had told my partner that runs an anti-cancer clinic, I said, you know, this is a, this is really impressive. I think we should look into this. And he said, are you kidding? I'm trying to mostly put weight on my cancer patients. And I said, not all of them. There's quite a few I know you have that are overweight and could lose some weight. And I said, and if this medication can strip 52 pounds off a type 2 diabetic without any dietary, significant dietary change, I said, you're telling me it won't shrink a tumor, possibly stop metastasis? So to go back to your question, where do we think this is going to go? Analysis have already said, once ZepBound became FDA approved, that this is has the chance of being the biggest drug in human history. Wow. And that was not even considering the cancer aspect of it. That's just looking at weight loss, these other conditions, and heart disease. They were doing a study with, we'll go with semaglutide, and it was in chronic kidney disease, CKD. And they stopped the study a year early because of the robustness of the effects that it had on the kidney. Mm. And when they stop a study early, typically what they have is a control group or a placebo group. And so there's a moral problem when the, <laughs> when, <laughs> when you have a drug that is showing such significant results and you have this placebo group over here, you have to go, we can't do this anymore right? Because these people should be getting the actual medication. Yeah. yeah. And so they stopped that study a year early. So I think we're, we're going to see in the next five years as cardiovascular indications, kidney indications, there's going to be a lot of other indications coming from this product. The biggest challenge that both companies have is that they have a drug shortage and they don't anticipate it resolving for the next four years. So when you start increasing the indications mm -hmm. for these, you're going to start increasing the demand for it. And so you already have a drug shortage, right? And so it'll be, I, I think that's the, and even if you read the financial analysis, which is kind of more my side of the things, that's, you know, kind of what the analysts are saying. How, how are Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly going to resolve their supply problem? Is there an answer for that? Yeah. Compound, kind of vitality. Compound, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Compound right. pharmacies can yeah. make it. Yeah, can make it. Yeah. Yeah. Typically, people get upset about, or not people, but pharmaceutical companies get upset about compounding pharmacies because they're taking, quote, profits out of their pocket, right? That's really where it, I mean, let's just follow the yeah. money, right? Let's be honest. But right now, right, they're reliant on compounding pharmacies to be able to produce this, right, to be able to sustain it. Just like I gave you the example of the person that got the prescription for Manjaro and couldn't find it at any Walgreens because they were out. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the FDNC, the Federal Drug and Cosmetic Act, it allows pharmacists to or pharmacies to make medications and actually physicians to make medications. And most doctors don't even know that. They don't know they're allowed to make medications, but they can under their licenses, typically in most states. There's a few states where, like Arizona, you need to have a separate license called a dispensing license in addition to your medical license. But if you can make an IV bag under your license, that's compounding. And so you can actually compound the medication yourself as a doctor. And so it really frees up this whole drug shortage 
issue if they know that, learn how to do it properly, and increase the demand or increase, I'm sorry, the, the supply that high. Yeah, and they can get signed up with the different pharmacies and write the prescription from that pharmacy if they want. I mean, it's not, it just most of the time they have kind of, I don't want to say blinders, but they kind of want to stay in their lane, right? This mm-hmm. is how I do business. Mm-hmm. This is how I do medicine. You know, it's, uh, if the insurance doesn't cover it, right, they, there, there's this whole mechanism that forces them to do business in a certain way. And so thinking outside of the box is not typically. Yeah. So the issue with the medication shortage is that's one of the things under the FDNC that allow physicians or pharmacists to make an exact duplicate of that medication without infringing on the patent because it's in demand and the drug company that's got the patent isn't able to keep up. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to ask this question. It, it may not be one that you can answer. When we talk about following the money, Fred, you mentioned that. <clears throat> and you know, we hear about big pharma and how it's controlling everything. And are you concerned? You become concerned around some roadblocks that may show up in these next several years beyond the ones we're already talking about. And and then how can either general lay people, legislators, whoever, doctors, the board, I don't know who it is, make sure that we have a loud enough voice that says this is necessary. This is this is basically saving lives. And if nothing else, uh, increasing the joy and the lifestyle of people while they're here. So that's, again, a back question. You could tell me I can't answer that, but that's what I always listen for. Like, how do, how do we have a large enough and loud enough voice that says this is, this makes a difference. This is life changing. Well, and I agree a hundred percent. And what I have found is that people need to take charge of their own healthcare. First and foremost. First and foremost. Right. And be willing to, like, I am willing, uh, if I have to pay out of pocket, I'm going to, pay for what I think is a better solution for my own health, mm-hmm. right? So I want to be in charge of my own health care. Uh, that's number one. But right now what you have is insurance. So the FDA says you as a doctor can treat anybody, anybody any way you want because you're the doctor, we're not. That's the, the long and the short of it. But so I come to Dr. Haggard and I say, well, I have this issue. And he says, well, I'm going to write you a script for this. Well, it's not covered with my insurance. So therefore, I don't do it. So mm-hmm. who's running the healthcare now? Right. See what I mean? Like if you look at it from that aspect on following the money, guess who is running the healthcare, right? So that that's you know, and and, and I'm not pointing fingers. I think there's ve- every good idea at some point becomes that I've seen becomes kind of this Frankenstein thing where it all becomes money, right? Mm-hmm. There was there was probably some good there was a good idea about insurance, you know, covering like major medical events. You have a car accident, you get cancer, you you have some life altering event, you need something to cover you. It was never really meant for the flu and sniffles, but here it is covering all of those things. And so, you know, then then they want to manage that money. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, and when you look at obesity, they don't classify it as a disease. Which is fascinating to me. But They're, they don't classify know, smoking uh, either right, as a disease. Right. It causes a lot of problems, but it, right? But they don't call it that. Yeah, there's actually an uh, organization that has been pushing this idea of treating obesity as a chronic disease because obesity increases other conditions. Mm-hmm. And so they have this obesity algorithm that they've put together over the last 15 years. And it's, it's a lot of like-minded physicians is what we're talking about right now is, you know, you look at obesity as a chronic disease, 
that needs treatment, not just monitoring. And so that's a that's an interesting topic as well. And and being so, it leads me to two other things that I wanted to point out. I feel like there's really two different avenues that I've seen people taking this medication now, you know, long term. A lot of people I think have the ability like I did where I just developed some bad habits and I got out of them and I haven't repeated it. And so I was able to use the medication as a learning tool and I think a lot of people have that potential. And then you have the other people that are just maybe getting it and not having the support, not using it to the full potential of actually learning something and how to do their life differently Mm -hmm. so that maybe they're not reliant on a medication. But that being said, they've done long-term trials over two years on the medications and they're safe to take long-term. So both semi-glutide and terzapatide are actually FDA approved for long-term weight loss. Well, here's, and so when people go, well, what, what happens when I get the goal? And I say, well, you come off the medication. Hopefully you've changed your lifestyle. You've learned to eat smaller meals. You've learned not to eat out. You know, you've learned to eat differently. And so maybe that learning curve has helped you kind of like Dr. Haggard to continue on without taking the medication. Well, and then a lot of it, again, is when you look at the clinical trials, the majority of the clinical trials show 95% of the people regain the weight when they come off, but they lack dietary advice that makes sense Mm -hmm. on a hormonal level because carbohydrates increase insulin. Insulin is the primary driver of weight gain. And so if they never addressed that, that's why I think we're seeing, I mean, it looks like if you look at just clinical trial data, it seems like no one would ever come off of this, but that's just not real world. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so then when I tell people, Hey, if you like the appetite suppression, you like the results, well, just cut your dose in half, and now your economic situation is your vial will last two months instead of one month, mm-hmm. right? So let's say it's 400 bucks a month. That's 200 bucks a month that you're paying to be off, you know, to have that appetite suppression. But you'll save a lot more than that in food. I was just <laughs> – if you weren't going to say that, I was going to. I can only imagine – even, I mean, just you you kind of slid in there, you know, not eating out as often. When we're eating out, especially now. The, oh, it's crazy. It, the, well, the crap that's in the food, number one, yeah. depending on where you're eating, but also the price point. The price point's insane. Like, you know, what used to be a 6 or $7 Subway, you know, it's not a Subway, but a sub sandwich, you know, is now like $15, $18. It's like full price of a meal for a sandwich. <laughs> a, a, a meal that we would have gone to a nice restaurant to pay for, and now it's happening at a sub shop. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So when I look at it and the overall marketplace, I think there's, so, so as an example, they did, a, they did a study and they showed that people on the products did better cardiovascularly, these were non-diabetic patients, than people on statins. Oh, wow. Right? So I'm thinking to myself, if, so I have come off, so all my numbers have normalized, so I don't take any more drugs. So I used to take uh, Resuvastatin, right, which was a statin. Um, and so my, my triglycerides went from 364 to 174. They're probably down like 150 now. My LDL is just below hundred. My HDL went from 28 to 35 and my VLDL, which is really the culprit in a lot of this stuff went from 60 to 30. Yeah. This is one of the only classifications of drugs that consistently increases HDL, by the way. Yes. Statins don't do that. Right. And, Mm. or very little. And so. Looking at that, I'm like, so I don't take any, I don't take my metformin anymore. I don't take a statin anymore. And I don't take a phenofibrate. 
So just losing that expense plus what I was doing to my body, yeah. taking a synthetic product versus a natural occurring agonist. Really, it's a peptide, right? And the only reason, the only reason that it is prescription not over the counter is because they chemically altered it or altered it in order to make it a seven-day half-life. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. It's 90% the same as what's naturally found in your body. Yep. It's that slight synthetic adjustment is what makes you lose weight with it because it lasts longer in your body. Mm -hmm. hmm. Can you believe we're at the top of the hour already? No, I know. It's, no, it's a, it's a fascinating topic. <laughs> and is. I think don't believe what you see on Facebook, right? Do your own research. There's plenty of research out there. There are at least three or four studies that have been published in the New England Journal of Medicine, mm -hmm. which, you know, is kind of the pinnacle of you know, scientific research. And then there's a lot of other journals that are very good that all these studies have been published. So read the data or at least talk to somebody that's read the data. Don't listen to what your friend says. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a friend of mine go, oh, thyroid cancer, you know, all this thyroid cancer that, that happened in rats, by the way, never happened in humans. However, because it happened in rats, he can tell you about that. Yeah. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I meant to bring that up. That's a very common thing. Because the label, when you actually get commercially available version of these, or if you go on the drug manufacturer's websites, the label does say that there is a chance of thyroid cancer. Mm. And it was based on a rat model. And then they did a meta-analysis, a systematic review of both diabetics, type 2 diabetics, and non-diabetics. There was over 50,000 diabetics in these studies. According, like it was across like 30 trials each on these systematic reviews. And there was no indication that in humans, this is a problem. However, it it's still on the label. On the label. <laughs> right. And so I mean, that's, just people... the, that's just politics and yeah. medicine. Right. And, that, yeah. and that's what gets brought up. And so that's why I ask people like, hey, look, I get that you heard something. I love when they say that. I heard. Uh, well, who'd you hear Where from? Where did you hear it from? Right. No, I love that. Well, so. they, I mean, they can get on PubMed and just look up the trials that I just talked about. There's two of them. Yep. Yeah. And one's for 30,000 people and one's for 50,000 people and nobody got it. And it says the conclusion of the authors was this is based on high quality evidence. Right. Mm -hmm. So I like, so it's a little last thing I want to say about Vitalis. So our goal is to provide education. Be So when I was doing when I was running Nutra Health, all of our marketing was based on education. Mm -hmm. So if you go to my website, I have a lot of the, on the resources, I have a lot of those articles published there so you can read them. I encourage you to read them and then make your own choice. Again, take control of your own health, right? Don't let what you heard or somebody on Facebook say, right? Go look at the evidence and then make a decision versus what you heard. Wow. I know we could talk for hours, <laughs> and hopefully you guys will be back with us again. Uh, VitalitySlimClinic.com is the website. Yes. And then Dr. Haggard for the Compounding Doctors Pharmacy. Is, are you online, or is it just a brick and mortar? Where do we find you? That's in California. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, you said the articles are located on the Slim, the Vitality Slim website. Yep. You can go to PubMed and Google yep. semaglutide and tirzipatide. It'll Good. bring up all the studies. I have a bunch of research on my website. If you're interested, certainly send an email to support at vitalityslimclinic.com. Happy to provide more. But yep. most people won't read it. That's I mean, I could put I could put fifty articles up there. Yeah, nobody will read it. So you know, we just kind of. You know, we put some select few that are really good mm -hmm. to give people confidence that the product will work. Yeah. 
It's great to have you both here today. I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn so much. I know uh, a couple of people who are uh, on the medication and finding incredible results. I don't think they'd want me to give them a shout out, uh, but I'm going to do it anonymously. And I love the stories that you shared. Again, just this wide range of examples of how and who this is working for. So thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.